Right now on Amplified, the Engineer's Journal podcast, we're about to get into how a little sport can make a big difference at work. Some people think I need to be a, have a logical mindset to be an engineer and that's what makes a good engineer. That was absolutely true 20, 30 years ago. But now more than ever, we actually need diversity of characters in engineering. I concur with Tom on this, like it's all about diversity diversity of thought and it's coming back to the team again like everything is about teamwork in the workplace you have a combination of different personalities within that team because what I lack someone else in the team can bring as a strength Hello there my name is Dusty Rhodes and you welcome to Amplified the Engineers Journal podcast you might think that mixing the intellectual world of engineering with the physical world of sport is some kind of a Venn diagram gone wrong, but actually they have a lot in common. Professionals in both need to combine strategy, foresight and expertise with skill and instinct. But what happens if you mix all of these qualities into one person? And can that person give us some tips on how we can improve our own day-to-day lives, making work a little easier and a little more creative. To find out more, we have two guests on the podcast today who have excelled at both engineering and sport. Tom Parsons, while working as an engineer, was hugely successful with Mayo GAA for over a decade. Today, he is CEO of the Gaelic Players Association and a fellow of Engineers Ireland. Tom, you're very welcome. Thanks, Dusty. It's great to be on the show. Really looking forward to the conversation. Also joining us is Jenna Brommel, who is a senior process engineer with J&J Vision Care and also an athlete who has represented Ireland at European and world level. You're very welcome, Jenna. Thank you. Looking forward to the discussion as well. Right. Well, listen, let's talk about engineering first. Tom, you were an engineer with a, like a massive global firm. Uh, give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, Dusty. Um, look, first and foremost, I'm really passionate about engineering. Um, there's so many synergies between engineering and sport, between being innovative, creative, teamwork, people, projects. It's great. So I started off my career, yeah, working with Jacobs Engineering in Cardiff. Um, I had picked up actually an injury in sport at the time and I had an opportunity to take 12 months off. So I went over to Cardiff and I started working on really infra- interesting energy projects. And so we're working on high voltage substations, working with a diverse group of engineers from pro- uh, from uh, control engineers, electrical engineers, civil and structural engineers. So it was a real eye opener. And then, you know, throughout my, my, my career in, in sport and, and engineering, they collided. I moved back to Ireland then to work with Jacobs again in um, highways and infrastructure and started to work on some Irish projects and some projects in the UK in Essex, for example. And then I just merged, you know, I found engineering, you know, over over a 12 year period to be fascinating, you know, nearly like a candy shop, uh, Dusty, the the opportunity to work on different uh, infrastructure projects, which was fantastic. And then I suppose aligned with that was different moves in my sporting career. Playing with Mayo, uh, living in Dublin, uh, the challenges of getting up and down to Mayo to represent my county. I, you know, I also represented um, my, my country as well and my club and, and colleges at, at high levels. So it was just fantastic. And I just always found through the years, there's so many links between sport and business, particularly when you look at 
the future of work. So when I started engineering, you know, I started on a graduate development program, um, predominantly structural engineering. It was all hand calculations. You know, within a few years, it was um, it was all in Excel. Then it was all software. Then it was sent out to design centers in in other parts of the world. So those skills of being able to work with people, um, leadership, manage projects, um, be creative um, was so important. And they were all the skills that we learned in sports. So I had a fantastic engineering career and it's not over by any uh, means of the matter. I was uh, voluntary on the board of the Gaelic Players Association while I was an engineer with with Jacobs. And in that role, we, re- we represent 4,000 intercounty athletes in Ireland, men and female um, athletes, many of whom are engineers. And in uh, I'm two years now in the role as CEO. So it just goes to show the, you know, the skills that you build in engineering are so transferable. And I found now running, running what is essentially a business uh, where you're running a P&L, a balance sheet, you're running a team of 12, you're negotiating with the state, you're negotiating with uh, the GA, um, you're designing programs for players, all transferable skills that I've learned in engineering. So I've had a crazy uh, career, really enjoyable. Um, sport has played a huge part in elevating the skills that I've brought to my career, my professional career, and vice versa. You know, I think skills in engineering has supported my um, my sporting career as well. And a lot of synergies, which we'll discover as we go through the uh, podcast. Jenna, has engineering been in your blood for a long time? Yeah, so what I'd say is that when I was in secondary school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. And I think that's okay as well. Like you can't be expected to know what you want to do with the rest of your life when you're only 17, 18 years of age. So what I did at the time was I just asked myself, what do I actually enjoy doing? And then I allowed that to dictate my path. So in school, I enjoyed doing applied maths, physics, chemistry, maths. So kind of logic based subjects. And I wanted to go to the University of Limerick because it was my uh, my local university and that's where I was training as well so it was to suit the athletics. And chemical engineering just stood out as a good choice for me because it combined all of those subjects that I enjoyed. So I decided to just go with that and things worked out because I got an entrance scholarship at the time because of my even cert results and the Nocton Foundation scholarship which was hugely helpful and that also gave me extra opportunities. Like, for example, I got to do um, a business diploma with Harvard Business School, a credential of readiness through that scholarship. Um, so that kind of gave me exposure to the business side. And then I was on athletic scholarship as well when I was in UL. So all of these things really helped to support me in trying to achieve my goals, both in engineering and on the, the running track when I was in college. Then things get a little bit complicated when you decide to finish off college and go into the working world. Um, it adds a lot of complications and complexities into the equation. So I just decided at the time to just go with the first opportunity that I came across. Again, it was something that was convenient location-wise because I was still training in UL at the time. So I entered the graduate programme at Johnson & Johnson Vision Care, which is just around the corner from UL, just around the corner from where I'm from. So I haven't gone far yet. It's been Limerick my whole life. Um, but I love Limerick and um, I love the opportunities it has brought me. So 
I'm a, I'm a big advocate for Limerick along the way as well. You're a, a senior process engineer at the moment with uh, J&J. Yeah. What, what does a senior process engineer do? So I would say that the role, it's it's a very mixed role, like no day is the same. You can be constantly given new diverse problems day to day. And I think that's the beauty of the role as well, is that you never get bored with it. You know, you always encounter new problems. So I'd say overall, if I'm to describe what I can get up to in that role, it's, you know, it's project management, it's providing process input for new designs, it's characterising new processes, it's troubleshooting any yield issues. So uh, if we encounter that there is a particular defect operating at a high level on a production line, we might be called in to try and work with the team to identify what the root cause is and put a solution in place. Um, so the job description is quite varied, but that's the beauty of it as well. So you both have uh, excelled at a sport as well. Uh, Tom, you briefly alluded to, to what you were doing. Just tell me about your sports career. Yeah, an incredible career, really. I suppose in the west of Ireland, um, there's very little distraction in other sports except for Gaelic football. Um, so growing up as a kid, <laughs> um, it was, if you weren't playing Gaelic football in Mayo, you were in trouble. So look, from very young age, was always playing sport and found myself putting on the Mayo jersey you know, at, at minor grade into under 21 and senior grade at a very young age. Um, so broke into the senior team at 19, which was an incredible experience, um, really, when you're so young, because it means so much to the people in Mayo to represent your club in your county, particularly to rec- represent your, your county. So it's something you're very proud of. And, uh, you know, your your dreams and your hopes, and your aspirations kind of come true when you when you're lining out in front of, you know, 35,000 people in McHale Park. So that's what I, that's what I did. I started at, at 19, playing with my university as well, um, played the International Rules of Ireland that year. Really had, you know, a fantastic bang to the scene at, at an inter-county level and had a lot of success at 19, 20, 21. Player burnout played a huge role, you know, 36 months. I don't think I had a month off picked up a chronic groin issue and worked with every sort of rehab coach to try and get it right. Performance dipped and I was released at 21, 22. So that was a period that was really difficult for me because I was trying to find my identity away from the game. And a big part of that then was kickstart my engineering career. So I had just completed a master's in energy management. Um, at the time, you know, we're talking 08 or 09, there was with, with the lack of jobs in engineering nobody was getting work you know so um, I did that master's in energy and then moved to Cardos and and that break my sporting career of two years where I needed to get the body right and get away from the game I really leaned on engineering and my career and found a lot of purpose and joy away from the game I I came back then to play with Mayo two years later so I had that break um, between the ages of 22 and 24 um, and then I got a call up to come back and play with Mayo. So I came back and played with Mayo in 2014. And then from 2014 right up until 2020, you know, played in four Ireland finals, um, you know, playing the biggest games um, in the sporting calendar in Ireland in Crow Park in front of 80,000 people. And that break actually uh, stood me well. So 
those years were, were incredible years. We forged a really competitive team in Mayo. Unfortunately, we came up against an awesome Dublin side and every time we'd meet in All-Ireland Finals, they would either go to a replay or we'd lose by a point. But in 2020 then, um, my last time I kicked the ball was in Crow Park, an All-Ireland Final in COVID. And that's the last time I've I've played. So look, a fantastic career, you know, probably over 100 caps with, with Mayo representing your county and representing my club. Um, and, you know, then since since 2020, I suppose the transition has been great because I moved into, you know, CEO of the Gaelic Players Association. So I'm still working with athletes uh, all the time, which is which is great. And Jenna, uh, you've done fantastically well. Uh, your field is running, yes? Yes. Uh, so I was historically a 400 metre athlete. So when I was in university, I was competing in 400 metres in the 4x4 relay as well. And then when I graduated from university and started at Johnson & Johnson, that's when I started to transition to the 800 metres. So it's a hard transition. It takes time because you're using completely different energy systems as well. There's a lot of endurance to build up over time. But I did make a good breakthrough in 2021 after a year of injury. Um, so hopefully this year we might see some good results again, but it's just, it's never a linear process. And I think that's something that, you know, people need to understand as well as that, you know, no matter what role you're in in life, no matter what sport, there's always ups and downs, ebbs and highs, you know, ebbs and lows. So um, I think that that's just important to take into account as well as that, you know, there, there's always complications along the way, but, you know, what defines you is how you bounce back yeah. from those complications. I, I think I have to come in there. I think it's it's so true. I think when you look at a sporting career, being able to deal with setbacks and obstacles is absolute paramount and nobody's career is, is linear. Um, and, and that's, do you know what, it's so true of life as well and engineering and projects. Um, so... The one thing I would say is you learn those lessons very, very quick in high performance sport. That's so transferable. And I think at some point along the line, everybody learns those lessons, right? That in your professional career, in engineering, in projects, it's not linear. There's ups and downs, there's obstacles. And the big, the big behavioral skill set is being able to deal with obstacles and come back. So I absolutely agree with Jenna there. So Jenna, uh, speaking of high performance, give us an idea of the level that you performed in in the world. Um, so I have competed at European Junior Championships, World Junior Championships, European Senior Championships. The past two years, I haven't had any international action, but, you know, that's, I, I trust that's part of the process as well. You know, I'm trying to adapt to the 800. I'm trying to bring down my time. So it's just taking it one step at a time for the moment. I'm trying to get into the right races and trying to get get myself the best opportunities to try and ultimately get to where I want to get. So, um, yeah, it's just taking it one day at a time at the moment. Let's uh, see how this kind of career in sport affected your careers in engineering or helped your careers in engineering. Jenna, how would you say that being an athlete shaped you as an engineer? You know, it's, it's just coming back to what we were just speaking about. It's the mindset that you have to develop as an athlete really translates into making you a better leader in the workplace. 
So for me, as an athlete, first of all, I think you always need to learn to trust in yourself because when you go on the start line and the gun goes off, it can actually be the loneliest place ever. But you have to actually trust in yourself that you can perform. And it's the same in the workplace. When you're given a challenge, when there's a setback, you need to actually have confidence in what you can do to deliver on the issue, you know. Um, And I think another thing is that it's resilience. It's the ability to bounce back. It's not letting failures bring you down, but actually learning from your failures. So, you know, no matter what, you know, job that we go into in the workplace, there's always going to be setbacks. There's always going to be challenges. But what defines you as a leader is how you enable those challenges to give you momentum to push forward, to learn from them and to ultimately become better and to bring the people with you along the way, you know. So I think it's the mentality that being an athlete teaches you that really converts into making you a better leader in the workplace. And I think it just kind of dictates your leadership style in the workplace as well. Tom, uh, Jenna said it can be the loneliest place in the world. From from a team point of view, do you get what she's saying? Yeah, I completely agree with Jenna. Like what's what's transferable is is all those character skills, you know. And, you know, as an engineer, I love equations, right? But if I could define performance in any walk of life, right? Not just professional, your career, engineering or sport, but even in your family life uh, or any hobbies and passions, you know, performance equals our capabilities, right? Uh, multiplied by or messed around with by our behaviours. And like, that's ultimately it. So if you have somebody or a person who has, is a very capable person and they're an eight or nine out of 10, but their behaviours is on the floor and they're two or three out of 10, their performance is on the floor uh, in sport, in engineering, in any walk of life. But the magic that you learn from high performance sport is that the bigger piece is behaviours. So your capability as a sports person or as an engineer or as a project manager or um, as any professional, your capability, even if it's a five or six out of 10 um, in that skill set, that, you know, that logical process driven skill set, if that's a five or six out of 10, but you have the right behaviours, if your behaviours are an eight or nine out of 10, your performance goes through the roof. And that's what you learn in sport. And what is behaviours? Behaviours is exactly what Jenna said. It's about our character. It's about how you deal with failures. It's about your self-discipline, your communication, how you engage with people. It's about growth, that mental mindset. And and it's so important. And I think now more than ever, when you look at, you know, AI, um, the future of work, how we're streamlining processes. And I'm sure Jenna can, uh, you know, attest to this, you know, in, in J&J, like processes are becoming, you know, their problems are nearly solving themselves with artificial technology and, and improvements. Now more than ever, we need engineers to focus on really good behaviours um, and managing people and be able to, being able to collaborate. So I really think that, you know, People don't have to be a high performance sport, but engage in, you know, team activity away from your professional career is hugely beneficial because you get to understand the dynamics of working with teams. And, you know, most engineers, most projects, you know, actually I'll say every project 
can't be delivered alone. You need the group. Uh, you need to set a vision. You need to work together. You need to collaborate with other people. So to be a good engineer, you need, yes, that logical piece, but you also need that, you know, that ability to have the right behaviours and the right character to work with people. I get what both of you are saying. And then I'm also in the back of my mind thinking both of you have been to the very pinnacle of your sporting careers. Uh, and a lot of people who are listening to the podcast, are just, we're just regular Joes. Do you know what I mean? We get the bus or the car into work or whatever. How do you think, it, it's a really interesting point that you both make about, you know, kind of being focused on performance. And if you focus on your performance, well, then you get the success and you can kind of see how that has driven you in the sporting field. How does that mentality translate for regular people? Uh, well, I'll come in first, if you don't mind, Jenna. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a dad with two kids. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And let me tell you, you know, I need to have a, a high-performance lifestyle to just navigate life at the moment, never mind being an athlete, right? So I'm just a firm believer that, you know, do what is hard and life will be easy, right? Uh, but do what is easy and life will be hard. And when you think about that, um, life is hard to navigate, you know, a family, kids, relationships, hobbies, parents, um, along with balancing uh, a career. And in engineering, you know, anybody that is in a professional career, but particularly engineering, you need to be on top of your game. So you do need to have a high performance lifestyle. And I actually think that people want to be them bet their best selves. And we even see that now in, in sport and technology. You know, so many people I see wearing, you know, a Garmin device or a Whoop device want to know their metrics, want to know how they're performing, even if they're just casually running or casually training. So um, I actually believe that, you know, we all need to learn the skills of being a high performer and just to navigate the challenges of life. And let me tell you, um, my my wife, she's a physiotherapist and uh, she's fantastic. And uh, when I think of high performance, I think of her because how she manages to get, you know, the kids up and to bed at a certain time and set out different, develop habits and children and maintain a job, manage the house, uh, manage me. Um, she's, she's, she's amazing. Um, but again, it comes back to all those behavioural skill sets that Jenna talked about. I had a, a work application from somebody, uh, who, a, a woman returning to the workplace, and she put uh, for the last five years of her life on her CV, she said, onboarding a human being. And I thought it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, th th but back to the sport and thinking about being physically active. Uh, Jenna, do you think that just being physically active in any way can help people think better at work? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually think that I probably wouldn't have done as well in my career if I didn't have athletics or just that release outside of work and outside of studies in the evening. Like I find that if I'm just working all day without taking breaks, without getting air, without getting exercise, I just can't think in the same way. Often if I'm struggling with an issue, if I have a challenge that I just need to get enlightened with or I need some inspiration I take the time away from the laptop I go exercise I come back to it and I find when I come back to it I'm so refreshed and I think in a different way so you know it's just come back to the the high performance question it doesn't matter if you're a high performance athlete or not it's just taking that time outside of work 
to to do something outside of that day to day to get the fresh air, um, to exercise the body. It just makes you think in a better way. It clears the head and it's, it definitely results in a better, more productive person at the end of the day. Jenna, so physical activity helps you think a little bit better at work. Does it help with stress? Yes, definitely. I think <laughs> definitely. It, you know, it, it, it all comes back to just relaxing yourself, giving yourself a break outside of the stress. Yeah. You know, okay, high performance competitions, like that is stress to be fair, right? So athletics can be stressful as well. But, you know, just an easy jog or just going to the gym, you know, not even thinking about those hard sessions, that break outside of a stressful situation definitely helps to just bring mm. down the stress levels and to ground you, rebalance you so that you could tackle that stress a bit better when you go back to it. Mm. So I think yeah, it's definitely important to take that time away from the stressful situation. But the other thing that I'd say, and it kind of comes back to what Tom was saying earlier, where, you know, he got injured, but he had something else to fall back on. Mm. I think the great thing about having sport or something outside of your work life as well is that you're not solely defined by one thing. So, you know, if if work is going well, okay, I'm an engineer, if running's going well, I'm an athlete. <laughs> but you, know, you know, you always, you have that. Something um, to feel positive about. Yeah, you, you always have something that's going to be going well, exactly. So I think it's good to have something as a backup for mm. the days when you're not feeling so good in mm. let's say your your main thing in your day to day so I think it's good to not tie your identity to just one thing but to have lots of different pockets not too many pockets but different pockets going on in your life Yeah yeah, yeah I, I agree Dusty and a buzzword in industry at the moment is resilience right we need to be more resilient and to Jenna's point like you can't be resilient if you decide to put all your energy on your professional career and you're going to allow your relationship to break down. You're not going to engage in your physical health. You're not going to have hobbies away from the game. You're not going to invest in friendships and relationships. Because what happens then is at some point along that journey, you know, if you're so career driven, you're going to encounter an obstacle or a setback. And then you don't have that broad life um, engagements that helps you overcome that resilience. So absolutely agree with Jenna. You know, in 2018, I, I uh, had a very significant knee injury. Um, my knee essentially rotated in the wrong direction at 90 degrees, um, risk of losing my leg, uh, three surgeries, seven months off work. And, you know, I came back and played. But at, during that process, I did a lot of talks and podcasts um, and people kept asking me, how how were you so resilient to come back? And the answer is exactly what Jenna said, is I when I lost my sport and my professional career for seven months because um, I couldn't physically work with the amount of surgeries that I needed, I fell back on my relationship, on my family, on my friends, on personal growth. So we talked about personal growth. What does that look like? That's listening to podcasts like this, that's reading books, that's growing, that might be taking a course um, so finding resilience in your life to be a better professional, to be a better partner, to be a better parent, whatever it is, you have you have to have diversity in your life. You have to. It's really important. 
Can I ask you as well, uh, both of you, because Tom, I know you were playing, it was a team sport, but Jenna, I take it that with athletics, you are part of an athletics team. It's not like you're you're just out there solo on your own. Um, what does that kind of being part of a team, whether at your level or whether at just an amateur level, kicking ball at the, at the weekend, how does that experience with teams help you with work teams? Jenna. Yeah, so I think that you have to be part of a team no matter what area of, of your life that you're looking at. You know, like being part of a team is actually central to progression in every part of your life. So in athletics, okay, a lot of the time it's individual. When I'm running a race, I'm running it on my own. When the gun goes off, I need to trust myself. But you have those foundations in the background that are made up of teams. So I train with a team, I have a coach, um, I have an SSC coach, I have a physio. I have that support ne- network there that, you know, when the going gets tough or when I have a setback, they're there to reassure me, they're there to guide me. So it's having that support network that can guide you when the going gets tough and set you up for success. It's the same in the workplace. The team, or I suppose the leader of the team as well, they have to try and set up the team for success. They need to support them when the going gets tough. They need to reassure them. They need to upskill them. So it's the same sort of aims of the team in both situations. You know, it's just coming to the, the softer side of things. It's not just focusing on the delivery of a task, but it's focusing on how you deliver and how you can enable that person to deliver. And from your point of view then, Tom, how does what Jenna is saying then apply um, going from team into a workplace? It's it, it, it's so relevant. Again, it's just you can't achieve anything on your own. Um, you just really can't. Although you need different skill sets and, and different types of people. Um, the best analogy, I think, of, of teamwork um, and I was only reading this actually uh, last week. I thought it was fascinating. Um, there's an engineering piece to it, but there was a study done on a flock of geese. Uh, they were all hooked up with heart rate monitors. And um, geese migrate three or 4,000 miles every year and they fly in this vector formation. And I was reading this, this, this study and it was outlining the reasons why they fly in that formation. What happens is the first bird flies and takes a leading position and they fly for as long as they can and they fatigue and then they rotate to the back of the V. And what was interesting was the heart rate monitor showed that the bird at the front, their heart rate was nearly double that the bird at the back, right? So if a bird tried to take undertake that 3,000 mile journey alone, they'd only get a third of the way there. But when they fly collectively and together and they, they work together in a team, they migrate to three or 4,000 miles. And what's interesting there is the key lessons there is everybody in the team is a leader. So, you know, I don't believe in, you know, having a, a manager or a boss. It's creating that environment where everybody takes the initiative, works together. There's, you know, that flat line structure and you're providing guidance because when you look at leadership and teamwork, what you want to do is create more leaders within your team that they're motivated and they're, they're as bought into the project um, as you are. Um, so you learn these skills are all, you know, transferable. And I suppose that's why we see 
you know, a lot of sports people transition into leadership roles in businesses and, you know, it's it's very simple concepts that they um they incorporate into the team. So I think anybody that is worth their salt that is in a management position that's leading a team really needs to invest in learning about leadership, learning about team dynamics, learn learning about the behaviors of teams because it's just as Jenna said, it's so important. I love what you guys are saying. Uh, I, there's one thing that comes into my in my mind for somebody who's not doing sport but is working in, in, in an engineering team, all right? Where do you get time to do all this? Because life is just so full of so many things. Exactly. Look, I think, and I have two kids and I understand the time constraints um, is, is, is crazy. A few things. Don't underestimate the, t- the power of 10 minutes. So... You know, if you want to exercise for 10 minutes, you can get a valuable session in, whether it's in front of your television or out in the garden and a couple of high knees, burpees, be creative, be innovative. Don't underestimate the power of an hour, you know, to forge a relationship with your partner. Um, and 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 it's that, you know, it's that task setting, you know, it's understanding the, you know, what's important, what's urgent, what's not important and not urgent. Um, and there's so much of actually what we do that's inefficient throughout our day. And, you know, to be in today's world, you know, I don't care who you are, um, you know, to survive, you need to have high performance skills because, uh, you know, it is tough. It is tough being working for the likes of J&J, who's a fantastic company. But like everybody that works for these, for businesses that are worth their salt, you need to be efficient. You need to develop these skills. We talked about goal setting. We talked about teamwork. We talked about self-discipline. You need to understand these skills. And it's back to the very opening remark, you know, what, you know, what's the synergies between sport and business? We talked about capability and behaviours, you know, 10 years ago in engineering. And I remember sitting interviewing people, we focused so much on the capability. What was their degree? What was their master's? What do they, what do they achieve? What was the, you know, what was their work experience? Were they a chartered engineer? And we completely forgot about their behaviours. Um, whereas now you can see in, in companies, they spend so much to learn about what, what, what's this kind of person? How do they, do they deal with setbacks? How do they deal with failures? How do they work with people? So, you know, we're learning all the time. And that all, that's all coming from, uh, you know, like it or not, uh, business is learning from high performance sport um, and high performance teams around the world. And they're incorporating those skill sets. So... I'm not going to lie, there's times that I struggle. <laughs> like it can get difficult at times when you're trying to do everything together, especially when things come together. Because I feel like a lot of the time when it rains, it pours. So you can go through a period where it's very manageable, but you can go through a period where everything comes at once. And I think when it comes to those heavy periods, the key, first of all, is to remember why you did it, you do it. So think about your purpose, think about what drives you. And normally when you remind yourself of what drives you, what your values are, that can help you to push through your limits. But also I think it's important to, you know, start thinking about the self-care side of things as well. I'm pretty bad for that myself and it's something that I'm trying to improve on. But I think when the going gets tough, it's important to think about, okay, how can I actually take the time to try and care for myself in this difficult situation as well like is there things I can do like 
meditation or going for a walk or meeting my friends just me just taking that time even if it's just a small amount of time just taking that time away to try and refuel yourself in that difficult scenario I think is really important to help you to better Mm. enable you to manage it Can I wrap up by asking you guys a question about shock horror engineering? We speak with a lot of uh, CEOs on the podcast. You guys are both more the uh, the action end, shall we say, of engineering. Um, and I think you, kind of, I get the impression you both uh, kind of grew up where the internet was just there. You never knew a world without the internet. So I'm interested in your point of view as to where you think online working and collaborative working and AI is going to take engineering in, say, 10 years time. I think with machine learning, it's it's definitely becoming a really predominant thing in the workplace. Like we're constantly looking for new applications of machine learning and how can we make everything automated? Like where I work, there's so much automation and we're continuously looking at trying to further automate and further find the latest technologies and how can we do things hands off and actually try and bring algorithms into things as well. I think that it's actually kind of hard to predict. It's hard to see because it's not there right now. Like we even see with like ChatGPT there at the moment, like it's absolutely mental what it can come up with. And I think that we can never fail to be surprised by what further developments can take place. Um, So I think it's a little bit unpredictable, but at the same time, I think that's really exciting as well, is that I feel like there's so much development to come in the next few years. I feel like the the rate of development has been, let's say, relatively slow over, let's say, the last 50 years. But with Mm. each year that's coming along now, I think it's actually becoming exponentially greater. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think there's some very exciting years ahead in, let's say, the next five to 10 years uh, Tom, you were saying that about change earlier. You were saying it, it was firstly calculate pen and paper, then calculators, and then Excel, and then software programs, and now it's, it's all being farmed out. Uh, what, where do you think it's going to go in the next ten years? Similar to Jenna, like the rate of change will never be as slow, and that's a fact. And uh, how important is engineers? Uh, they are right up there because you look at the global challenges that we have with climate change movement of people, increase in population, age and infrastructure, huge challenges. We need engineers to solve these problems. Um, And I think, you know, I started off as a structural engineer and then I was civil, then I was team lead, then I went to energy, highways. And there was a point in my career where I thought, I need to specialise in something. And it really bugged me um, as a senior engineer that I wasn't specialising in any one space. But now I actually think that's a strength because we need to be adaptable. And as Jenna said, we don't know what the careers will be. AI will absolutely automate a lot of the design process. Um, You know, design engineering will change absolutely in the next, and it it has changed already. So being a professional that is able to, you know, and I said it earlier on, um, unlearn and relearn, is just, is so important. And I think that's what uh, CEOs are looking at. You know, even in Jacobs Engineer, when I started, you know, everybody was an engineer. Um, when I when I left the business, um, there were, we were hiring people coming from different perspectives, you know, coming from uh, sciences, coming from social sciences, 
so that you, you had diversity of thought in the room. And you you look at a lot of core values of organizations and businesses and they put down diversity and inclusion. Um, it's not just for, you know, the social side of things. It's also for performance because we need people in the room with different thoughts to, and we need to create space to solve the problems that all organizations are facing at the moment and, you know, the global challenges that we face. Tom Parsons and Jenna Bromwell, it has been not only fascinating, but absolutely inspiring chatting with you both today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, guys. If you'd like to find out more about Tom and Jenna, you'll find notes and link details in the show notes area of your player right now. And of course, you'll find more information and exclusive advanced episodes of the show on our website at engineersireland.ie. Our podcast today was produced by dustpod.io for Engineers Ireland. If you'd like more episodes, do click the follow button on your podcast player to get access to all of our past and our future shows automatically. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening.